Bo-Katan uses a menstrual cup? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Start your subway engines. It's time for Roof Helps Potteries, the queer Star Wars podcast. Welcome to our discussion of the third episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, The Convert. My name is Mel. I use they, them pronouns. You can find me on social media at Melvin Culpa and on TikTok at Grunkle Rex. And my gender this week is the two for one, which was a High Republic reference and a Hannibal reference in this week's episode. Now, Mel told me what? this before, and I, who have not seen Hannibal, immediately went, what? So do, do you mind, like, like just because you told me, and I was like, wow, that sounds, yeah, need, like, that sounds need, crazy. Okay, need some elaboration. So, so the, the High Republic reference is obvious. It's the rock on, the, on Coruscant. Um, you mean the I, tip the, of the mountain. I, the tip of the mountain. I do. I do have to interject and say that that actually has appeared in canon before the High Republic. It's just that the mo- most recent. Um, I do believe. Well, that's what I thought of. I, it 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 came in before the High Republic, but like yeah, it was like in the, the Clone biggest... Wars. It was in the Clone Wars. I thought it was just in the Brotherhood book. I'm pretty sure it appeared in like in like in the background of an episode in Clone Wars. Like yeah, on, like, I think on episodes. Is it like the I Zillow Beast? It, it's either the Zillow Beast or it might even be the Senate Murders arc where Padme and Bale are walking. They might just walk past it. I think it is also um actually I think it's also actually in like I, I want to say it's in like Revenge of the Sith. I think no, is it? Anyways, sorry, I didn't mean to, but actually, Mel. But I do. I'm counting that also as a High Republic reference because like a major scene does happen there. So we won. Yeah. Also, like, neoliberal moment. We'll get into that later. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. I have feelings about Lena So, and I got bad news. They're not entirely positive. Um, so the Hannibal reference is, if you are an avid watcher of NBC's Hannibal, there is um, an, a couple of episodes where there's a character named Chio. She is very slay. Quite unsure as to why Hannibal knows her, etc. I know it's explained in the show, but... I was not particularly paying attention because I was just like, oh my God, Slay, a woman of color in this show that's very white. Well, she does push Will Graham off a train and that's what this <laughs> the part where where Pershing and um, um, Aliyah jump off the train. I was like, oh my God, this is just like Hannibal. So yeah, anyways. You know what? Honestly, I think that we as a society would be bettered if more people had tried to or successfully push Will Graham off of a train. My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. That's Fresh the PH. And my gender this week is Din Axe Woves Jarin. And let me explain. Oh. Imagine that being Axe Woves is in like like quotes like in the middle like a nickname. And the reason for this is that now that Bo is clearly not vibing with Axe right now, she's hanging with Din, and they're like tight. They're like besties. I just know that she is not hanging out with a lot of men. So I know that she is calling Din Axe all the time by accident. So she'll be like, oh, Axe, can you hand me that? He's like, "Did what did you just call me? And she's like, Din? He's like, no, you did not. Who the fuck is a- Axe? What the fuck is wrong with you? And she's like, no, I didn't say that. I just called you Din. He's like, no, you didn't. She's like, yes, I did. I don't know what you're, there's something wrong with you. And then she starts trying to gaslight him. And then he's like, Bo, you're falling into your ways. Remember, this isn't who you are. And she's like, you're right. I'm a good person. 
and I don't need the gaslight to get my point across. And then they have a very heartfelt conversation that she would never have with Axe Wolves because he left her in her hour of need. Anyway, this is, I don't subscribe no, to that. He, <laughs> he got lost are, are in the you bathroom. That, wait, oh, I thought for a second you were suggesting that Bo-Katan's hour of need was that she was in the bathroom and he was like, I can't Dindra- be here for that. <laughs> no, meanwhile, Din Djarin's holding her hair back. <laughs> Am I saying that Din Djarin is more emotionally sensitive and responsive to Bo-Katan than Axe Wolves? You can decide that for yourself. Hi, I'm Claudia. My pronouns are she, her. You can find me on social media at Kaludia says, K-A-L-U-D-I-A says. My gender this week is Dr. Pershing's TEDx talk. Um, I'm obsessed with the idea that they took the opera house where the bubble opera was and they turned it into a place for TED, TED talks. And granted, yes, there are many stages that are used for many things, but like, I guess it's like some sort of like, I don't know, metaphor for like in the golden age of the Republic, we have art and now we have TED Talks. And I just thought it was really funny. That's all. <laughs> TED, so what? Not Mel. Mel just put TEDx Coruscant in the, <laughs> the chat. And I mean, they're not wrong. I, but also thinking about how we learned the official way that Palpatine returned through a TEDx talk about strand casts. That's throwing me. It's really throwing me. And the fact that he didn't have a little clicker and be like, do the Ted voice. I mean, he kind of did. It was the kind of the thing. So these are just many thoughts. Many thoughts. Anyways. I hated that man's gay little talk. I'll say it. I did not (laughs) enjoy his gay little talk. Mostly because anytime, unfortunately, I am a hater. And anytime I see a little graphical abstract of DNA, I'm like, you do not know what you're talking about. Okay. (laughs) Also, I will add, <laughs> it felt a lot like, um, you know, how he was talking about like, well, my mother died. He's giving all of his backstory, right? It really felt like when you're trying to read a recipe on some website and someone has put their entire <laughs> life story at the front and it's like, it's like, dude, <laughs> like I'm Where's just my, trying to, like, recipe? I just want to learn about how to make muffins. I don't really give a fuck that your mom died. <laughs> As I was watching this episode, every time they did talk about science, I just kept yelling at the screen and being like, Noah is going to have a fucking field day with this. Like, Noah's about to rip this shit apart. <laughs> I was like, I'm so, I'm so ready for that. Um, So I do hope that in our episode this evening, we do, um, we do have Noah's, Noah versus Dr. Pershing cage match. <laughs> STEM cage match. <laughs> and Noah is clearing. Like, like only one of those two people... Are a war criminal, and the other and one only only one of those two people is feeding rats nutrient paste. Mice, mice, mice. Yeah, and it's mice. not Doctor yeah. Pershing. Doctor Pershing is feeding it to Grogu. No, <laughs> Grogu's Grogu's nutrient, nutrient paste. paste. So true. <laughs> Honestly, they would sell that. No, because like, let's be real. It's only like really twenty five minutes before Disney starts marketing Grogu's nutrient paste as like a real viable item. <laughs> Yeah, you can get it at the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> um, it's just a jello shot. That's all it is. I know Grogu is not doing shots right now. That cannot be happening. He's I at least 50 years old. Saying, no, I'm saying the Galactic Star Cruiser item named Grogu's Nutrient Paste is simply a jello shot. But it will okay. probably be like $200. Do you think Grogu is ever going to get underage drunk at the Umate? No. <laughs> 
Dude, Darren wouldn't let it happen. Yeah. It's Grogu and that kid who just had his uh, his baptism. Um they <laughs> they're gonna go they're gonna go get underage drunk somewhere and Jinjar's gonna have to we're... pick them up. Oh he has a okay. name. I... Hold on, what is his name? Okay, Jimmy we Kimmel's can... son. <laughs> Wait, I need to say something really quick that's really important. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about that, so I was like, who the what fucking like just like some random child who got baptized? Like anyone? Who forgot about the child who almost died by a gator? I was too occupied about the gator of it all, not the fucking child. His name is Ragnar. His name is Ragnar. His name is what? <laughs> Ragnar, the kid who has his little baptism. His name is what Ragnar. The... Ragnar and Grogu get fucked up. <laughs> get okay, fucked I would up. read that fan fiction. <laughs> anyway, I'm Jess. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on social media at Kawaii Jessio. And my gender this week is Tongstay again? No problemo. If no. you guys know about the Tuesday again dog, that's no. what I'm referencing. Cause those, cause, cause the day we have gotten two new days of the week. I'm like, does everybody know about the Bendu? Is the Bendu a religious icon? Cause I thought that the Bendu was just a thing Kanan knew about, but then they're like, it's Bendu's day. Uh, well, here's it's. I think it's like thir- how Thursday is named after Thor's day. Like, it's a mythic mythological figure that most people no, don't believe in. I get that, but I'm like. I thought the Bendu just, like, appeared to Kane and Jerry's and was like, I'm the Bendu. And he was like, I'd never heard of the Bendu before. Well, like, maybe he's just is- an idiot. <laughs> okay, that would be fair. That's fair enough. I was just saying, <laughs> I, I think it's funny. Because I was like, who the fuck knows who the Bendu is? Like, is the Bendu a major cultural figure? Is the Bendu have, is there, like, an MCU in Star Wars and the Bendu is one of the characters and he, like. Uh, no. Is- like, it's four. <laughs> Exactly. No, okay, that's this exactly. Is what, this is what I was gonna say. Because if the whole like Thursday Thursday thing is to be believed in this case, because that'd be really really funny. Because imagine we still use the term Thursday in twenty twenty three, but then like Thor is just a guy that you're capable of meeting if you're like in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and if you if you shoot at him enough, he'll like fuck up your shit. You know what sucks though is that Bendu Day was not Wednesday. It it's like their Friday. No, because also imagine Thrawn being like, now every Bendu day is like just really shitty for me because I met the Bendu and I fucked him up and now I just but feel did bad. Did Thrawn know that was the Bendu? Or he, did he know he, he was some fucked up creature that he just shot Yeah, he was just some sky? fucking creature. Like, I don't I think just... the Bendu was like, I am the Bendu to Thrawn. I think <laughs> I also think Bendu be might be. I think it might also be like a word for like the ba- balance or the middle because it's there say like the light, the dark, and the bendu is like a whole thing. And why so is like, their bendu day their Friday? Yeah, maybe that's the middle day. of their week. Because no, Star it's the Wars end of the writers week. do not think that hard about making yeah, they don't. things happen. Do you think, do they have a five day, like a seven day week, five day work week in Star Wars? They have or two they're... days. They have two days. Just Tong's day and bendu <laughs> <laughs> this implies Just that, that there were manic tongues day. This um, this does imply that there were like union fights for the five day work week. Were there Pinkertons in Star Wars? Let's discuss. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and her name is Elia Kane. Like, what are you <laughs> saying right now? What? <laughs>
I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, him. You can find me on social media at the Jewish Jedi. And my agenda this week is Dr. Pershing's canonical lobotomy at Claire's. That was the only thought I had the entire time. He was getting like the weird, he was getting mind flayed, which six Stranger Things reference. Okay, let's talk about it. He's a lot like Eddie Munson when you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that is just like that technique that they used on Bix in Andor. They hadn't perfected it yet back then. It is also the thing that they did to Crosshair. In season one of the Bad. I thought, I thought they were just amplifying his chip and whatever. Well, we're not I, about I do. Yeah, I do, wait, like, no, that was different. No, wait. Well, the machine were, looked the were, same. It, the machine looked similar, and also they like they were experimenting with the with the technology with crosshair, and they imply that like that's what they end up using on the Death Troopers, and then also in Andor when they're like the machine that she was using was like. Yeah, like, I think the thing that they put over his face, I think it was developed from that thing from Andor because, I mean, it wasn't technically, but, like, but that thing, like, we're seeing the end result of a bunch of things. This episode of The Mandalorian, yes, that's, I think we could be dead. I think we could, we could, that's a wrap on the episode. I think that, that was really good commentary, guys. Guys, guys, I took notes um in my notes app, and what I love about doing i usually take notes during the episodes just so i can remember and because this episode was so long i have so many notes and i don't remember what half of them mean but i do have one that says ding dong ditching dr pershing um <laughs> oh yeah because i know what that's about she yeah, the little that oh my other note that i think is funny is damn it really is dark as hell in here <laughs> no i wish i it was it was I literally, and, and then when they go in the Star Destroyer, it gets dark again and again. I was like, I swear to fucking Christ, are they allergic to light? I'm so tired. Like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> when I watched it the first time at nighttime, I could see everything. And then when I watched it during the day with my sister, I could not see shit. And I was like, what the fuck's happening? I can't see. Where have they I, gone? I, I, I no, I, I was watching it on my phone because I was watching it on my commute and I thought that my brightness was like super low and then I looked at it and I was like, oh no, it's all the way up. Okay. I'll be squinting. Um, one thing I will say, let's talk to talk a little bit about the beginning of that episode. So we have Din and Bo, right? Interacting. First of all, fuck all the people, two people who I would like to say fuck you to. People who are like, oh my God, Bo-Katan's going to be the villain this season. The other people I'd like to say fuck you to are all the people like, Din's in a violent, evil cult that brainwashed him. I hate to say it. You guys that are is wrong. So, no, that's so true. I, I will also just say this re, re- Bo-Katan. I have never had any ill will to her, but this season and the last season of Mandalorian have really turned me into like a, a stan of hers. Like, that was like, I yeah, I really enjoy her. Also, yeah, many of y'all need to think a little bit harder about how you talk and engage with the concept of orthodoxy in religion because a lot of y'all are afraid of it for some reason. And is like, and I get like in the text of the show, a lot of people view the covert that Din is a part of as like an evil brainwashing cult and all. But I'm like, for Din, it isn't that. And uh, many of y'all should just I don't know, think a little harder about that. That's all I have to say about that. I liked how at the end of that this episode it kind of questioned that because like 
she was kind of having this moment of like, oh, I haven't had this community. I haven't had my culture in such a long time, whatever. And it's clearly not the way that she practiced her culture, but like it meant something to Din and Din's like, I'm going to share this with you because you're a part of my community, even though we have different practices and whatever. And like, clearly she's having a crisis of faith because she saw that fucking monster that nobody thinks exists. Um, And like, she's literally having a crisis of faith, whatever. And like, I know earlier on in this season, we were kind of scared of like, how are they going to address this idea of orthodoxy? Are they going to keep going with her initial idea of like, oh, you're from a fucking cult, bitch. But like, I'm I'm quite pleasantly surprised at how they're going. Like, you know, just like how she evolved, like it's evolving to the viewer of like of her being like, you know, well, we all did what we had to do to to survive that kind of thing. Um, also apparently Grogu says in his little Grogu language, this is the way at one point. I thought that was pretty cute. Oh, swag. Yeah. Like Din says, this is the way. And then Bo says it back when they're in the show. And then it cuts to, you see Grogu in the back and he goes like, he makes a little noise, whatever. And I was like, Oh, he was saying, this is the way. And you're like, okay, you got me. (laughs) Um, that is, I, completely agree with what you were saying claudia that reminded me of the thing that was almost my gender probably should have been because it required less explanation born again mandalorian bo-katan Kreese. because like she's just like reconnecting with with her faith and in a different way right um and i think that that is like really important and also like i don't know i feel like this season has really highlighted how alone Bo-Katan has felt and is in her her way that she has practiced being a Mandalorian. And now she's embracing and experimenting with a different sect of Mandalorians and, like, coming accustomed to them. That was something I, I really, like, was... I don't know. I thought it was, like, really clever uh, on the part of the writers and the directing um, was that I was like, why the fuck has Bo not taken off her helmet this entire episode up until the end? And it's because she, she's like, okay, I'm down. I'll, I'll fuck around and find out. And that's so slay. No, I really liked that. I also liked how, um, sort of like seemingly accidental that was for her of the armor being, she's like, I am not really like one of you guys. And she's like, okay, but like you haven't taken off your helmet, right? And she's like, well, no, but she's like, and you bathe in the living waters, right? And she's like, well, yes, but she's like, great. That's really all we require. I also like that she like, that it was the dialogue took the time to say like, you can leave whenever you want. Like, like nobody is like stuck here. If you want to go, you can go. But if you want to stay, you can stay. And I do like that Bo-Katan seems to be like, maybe I will. We'll, we'll see about that. I think that that was like a really important thing. And that was one of the lines when she was like, yeah, you can leave whenever you want, but you're welcome to stay. That was what I was like. That was the biggest fuck you to all the people who are like, Din's in this evil brainwashing cult. Like one of the things I think we don't really explore a lot is like the Mandalorians. And I think that this season is elaborating on it. It's interesting to see how the watch actually operates on, or the children of the watch actually operate on like a um, practical level seeing how they're like yeah this is how we live and this is how we have stayed safe you don't have to do that you can stop being a mandalorian like us at any time and you can go and do your thing and basically be like if you don't want to experience and like be a part of this like part of the faith anymore and go almost live like the quote like easier life where you can just blend in 
do your thing. So, like, it's also, again, like, anyone who was like, oh, my God, Din is in this cult. He could have left at any time, but he chose not to because that is his belief set. To, to connect this to a conversation we had last episode about, like, diaspora, Bo-Katan is someone who was born in the homelands, who lived on, in the homelands and now is interacting with the diaspora of her culture. And I think that is also another way to look at this of like, not even from a religious standpoint, but like a cultural standpoint, she is just interacting with a subset of her her culture that is not necessarily the way she lived. And she's learning how to like be okay with that. It's also interesting because there's a, there's a common thing in diaspora of like where the, the diaspora of in, in one part of the world might be like more conservative one might say or whatever because they like their parents or grandparents left at a certain time but then all the people who grew up in the homeland or whatever modernly like they're they're quite you know they're much more progressive they're much more you know like and that kind of thing like she's literally interacting with like the people who left in the diaspora who are like far more orthodox or that kind of thing and that occurs in like so many different things um i also just thought it was funny um that they have high technology helmets that can film things they could have just filmed him going in the water they could have just filmed it whatever and she instead chose to to drag his ass in front of his entire family and be like yeah he fell the fuck in and i saved him i thought that was hilarious and their reaction nobody laughed which means that they're all used to dinjar and getting into little things like this and then they were and then she and then they were like well that means you went in too so congrats you have accidentally joined the watch and that entire sequence is hilarious to me and also they bring a little vial and crack open a cold one with the boys how are they supposed to know that it's from the mines? What is that little pool made out of? I have so many questions. I guess they know that like Din wouldn't fucking lie about this kind of thing. But the piece at the beginning, though, that Din, he starts it with, yes, I, I bathed in the waters or whatever. But he starts it with the, like, hey, by the way, Mandalore actually isn't as, to- as toxic as it is anymore. And they don't come to him like in an aggressive way of like, you're a fucking liar. And why would you go against what we have to say? They come with the like, okay we'll see like which was very interesting and i think again a, a fuck you to the people who were like oh he's in a cult like kind of deal um which i thought was really interesting although i was like again you could have just filmed it then again it's so fucking dark in there you couldn't have seen anything much like me so <laughs> he he knew he knew the lighting he knew he needed a, a lighting guy for it and bo was he not a fucking about GoPro. that no he needs a gopro with a fucking light on it the idea of Jaren strapping a GoPro to his helmet is really killing me, actually. I feel like he would look serbacious with that. Um, yeah, also, he like, has a light on his helmet! He does yeah. have a light on his helmet, but also followed by- That just reminded me of- Have you guys seen the TikToks of the guy who, like, he puts, like, this weird camera thing that, like, does, like, the 3D around him and, like, to, like, <laughs> eat an apple or something and it looks demented? That's what I'm imagining Din doing i can no, always have do you that. guys seen like like the ghost files like watchers the ghost files with like Shane yes Ryan, exactly when they're going exactly. through the fucking house by themselves and they have the camera that's like facing them that's actually that's what i was picturing if did ever did like, okay POVs. I, guys i'm sorry i'm just thinking about the idea of the mandalorian being felt like from din's perspective and we get like the fucking tony stark inside the armor looking thing. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> We can't be doing I, that. No. <laughs> Don't also, give David no, that idea. No, because also John I'm... that idea. He happy Hogan would fucking do that to himself as Paz. 
No, but what else is really funny to me also <laughs> is the fact that they were kind of having little when when Bo and Din were kind of having a, a, a little bit banter when they were a little bantering. I was like, man, this is like if the MCU was good. <laughs> No, but for real. I was like, what was this that? Is, no, this is who the MCU thinks it is. Not to say, like, maybe John Favreau slayed, but maybe he slayed. Speaking of John Favreau, you know, Paz. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I like know him. <laughs> Shut up. But yeah, Paz, I know we just had this whole talk about them, like, being accepting of Bo-Katan. I don't know, there's something about the way he's, like, standing there when they're all, like, yeah, like, accepting Din and Bo-Katan back. Like, oh, yeah, they've been, you know, redeemed. And Paz just kind of standing there where it's just, like, I don't, I don't trust you, Paz Riesla. I feel like you're still, like, like, mm, I feel like these motherfuckers shouldn't be allowed back into our, our clan kind of deal well, because he kind of... He related to Pre. He's related well, to Pre. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's the question. Do we know how related to pre-Visla he is? Because I'm starting to think that Visla might just be, like, almost, like, of Clan Visla. Like, he's not, like, pre-Visla's, like, brother or something. I wonder how closely Paz is related to Pre, or if it's just a matter of, like, first of all, the idea that he is, like, not really related at all and does not give a fuck about pre-Visla, so that he has no- he just has beef with Bo-Katan because he thinks she's annoying. That's funny. But also the idea that him being, like, you- you were there when my uncle got beheaded. Bitch, fuck you. But no, because, like, he did, like, you know, in the Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian 2.5 episodes, um, he was, like, saying the whole, like, business with the Darksaber. That's why he tried to fight Din, and they had their whole little duel, because he's just like, that belonged to my, like, you know, ancestors. So he, he does have some connection where he feels my fucked up uncle previsla no it he's talking about just he's with talk, pre, claudia like, he's talking about tar visla yeah he's talking about tar no. where he's just I like tar. i don't know how connected <laughs> but he definitely feels deep in a deep enough connection where yeah he's like fuck you i want the dark saber that is my right as a visla also because John Favreau's little like OC where he's just like myself insert has to be slay. I'm sorry, I just had the thought Lydia Tarvisla and in another world that was my gender this week. What? <laughs> Why have you, not, have you guys not watched Tar? Kate Blanchett I'm is not Tar. Seen it, but I know I am aware of it. I like the idea I, I like the idea of Tar Visla directing a video game concert as punishment. <laughs> <laughs> You guys should watch Tar. It's about an awful woman doing terrible things, but she also directs music, and at one point she punches somebody. Do you mean conducts? <laughs> Jesus. What did I say? Did I say directs? Yeah. yeah. Alright, well, I was, I was thinking about, I was trying to say words whilst thinking about the time that Kate Blanchett rushes, rushes a stage and pummels somebody. <laughs> um, I have something to say. To the people who feel as though the children of the Watch are like this evil cult, there is an evil cult that exists in this episode to point and boo at, and it is the Empire. Um, <laughs> and the people who still remain loyal to it, even though they are working through like an amnesty program. Um, that, the entire like scene with Pershing comes back to the amnesty like 
hot, uh, not hostel, um, like apartment complex, compound, whatever have you. And those guys are just like, <laughs> those guys and that lesbian are sitting down at that table. And like, I thought it was so such an interesting and like, honestly, like really good way to juxtapose the two stories going on. Like, I know that some people here in the chat were like, why the fuck was this episode like a Pershing episode? Like, what the fuck is happening? I think this is a really good way to juxtapose these two things, because this is a false community. This is one that is truly like an artificial, like, self-serving, self-aggrandizing piece of bullshit. And here's an actual community that, like, despite its flaws, does want to and cares about people who are outsiders. And I just think that that was really interesting. And also, like, I don't know, just, like, it. so much of this episode was, I actually really, really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it how much uncomfortable it made me. Um, I, what I liked also was, a pe- they, of course, people started complaining because they were like, oh, this is boring because there's a lot of politics. And I was like, that's funny because this episode was structured exactly like the prequels where it starts out with a lot of pew pew. We started out with a pure pew pew segment full out and then the rest of it is like 40 minutes worth of politics on Coruscant and I was like all right we're back to what what Star Wars is about okay and I was like this is actually this is hitting I have some issues with some of the politics portrayed and how they're portrayed but I I really liked it I know there were some jokes online of like oh this is like kids bop and or and I was like yes but also I I do I do enjoy the attempt to give some seriousness to the politics in this era. I also, what you said, Mel, about like a community, a false community versus another one. It was, it's interesting to me because it's like, oh, people don't want this story to be political when it is a story about essentially at least two. It's a story about two victims of genocide of a fa- of fascism of the Jedi and the Mandalorians. That's, it's, Grogu and the Mandalorian and then we see Bo-Katan and we see the Mandalorians and like they are dealing with not only the aftermath of a genocide but like the aftermath of the fall of the people who did the genocide and now we are seeing the other side of and what happened to those people who were active or at least complicit in the genocide as well like we're seeing the whole thing of this whole show and this whole era is the effects afterwards and like in that scene when they're talking whatever is like their community is built on their like shared experiences in the military kind of deal thing, which is a sort of community. It is a community. It is an artificial community kind of thing. And it was very interesting to see that juxtaposed. And I thought that was very important in general. Um, Yeah. I thought that was also somebody online pointed out that they were like, yes, they're in this like hostile program or whatever. But if you think about it, the housing that they're in that's very similar to what where um what's his name Cyril Karn lives in in during the empire um the housing that they're in is probably better than the housing that most normal people have on Coruscant the that the war criminals live in not to say that people should not be rehabilitated because I do love that idea but that was just something to think about anyways something I want to add really quick is there are a lot of people comparing it to Andor and I think that the similarities stop after it's there's some political aspects of it in Star Wars. And I think that comparing the two is, it's not anything because they're two completely different types of shows. I wouldn't expect the Mandalorian to suddenly get into the spy thriller political intrigue 
that Andor had. It makes sense that when it talks about things that are more quote unquote political, despite the fact that the entire show and every piece of media is political inherently. Um, but when we talk about it on more of a main stage, it makes sense that it's completely different. It makes sense that it has a very different vibe because the characters that we're focusing on are not Mon Mothma. They are not senators. They are not people who are working to incite rebellion. They are kind of like two, quote, like kind of like almost foot soldiery type of people, two people who are on the ground who are doing random bullshit. It is more of a look into the lives of everyday people than we got in Andor. Like, it's a very different vibe in general. I wouldn't want it to be the same vibe as Andor. That would be really, really jarring if it went from being, like, an episode of The Mandalorian to suddenly this, like, really deep, um, like, uh, exploration of fighting fascism. And I think we are getting that, but it's just not, quote, like, gritty. So, I don't know. I I'm I think any comparisons, aside from the fact that they're both Star Wars feels a little uh silly to me also just <clears throat> for the the people who yeah didn't really care much for this episode because it wasn't about the mandalorian per se it is helping with the world building and like setting up this b plot kind of reminding us to like hey remember the the whole thing with Grogu and the cloning that's still kind of happening which um, I, I try not to like theorize about stuff because then I, I don't want to get my hopes up for things and then them not happen but like them bringing up oh re remember Moff Gideon and like rumors that he might have escaped like we might see Gideon again like yeah so this episode wasn't because I did also see some people be like, oh, not filler shit. Guys, <laughs> please. We need to ban please. the internet from the use of the word the filler. Word filler from not the... using it yes. right. somebody, somebody also tried to say that it was a bottle episode and someone was like, it can't be a bottle episode <laughs> if it starts with... It's it's a bottle episode if it starts with a fucking space battle, you fucking idiot. I, I was like, words... We have to take words away from people. <laughs> I yeah. do... I do just want to say, in defense of myself... The primary reason I didn't like the episode on my first watch was because I saw the title and I saw the opening and I got really excited for an episode exploring what Mandalorian identity meant to Bo-Katan and like how she would relate to that and what choices she would make if there would be like conversations between her and Din about like how they each related to that differently. And then when I didn't get, I, I set myself up for failure basically because when I didn't get that I was like, I'm mad. However... And I would also like to say, I'll go on the record, I do not care about Dr. Pershing. I care about what his character means, and like, I like how he was utilized as a story tool in this episode, but as a person, him living or dying is really like, who cares? I'm not interested in that. Um, what I do like, though, is like, looking back on this episode, it's really textually interesting. Like, Mel mentioned when we first, like, show up at, like, their um, like, the Amnesty Apartment thing, and that conversation was really chilling when they were like, what do you miss most about the empire? Babe, the answer should be nothing. I really can't trust this enough. Like you, what? Like, yeah, I just, I thought that was really interesting. And I did enjoy the plot the longer it went on. Also. Cause like at one point I just like, I skipped ahead to see like how long 
Pershing's hour was going to be. And then I was like, okay, it's the book of the episode. I will like settle myself down into like, this is the, this is the Dr. Pershing special hour. Um, Cause when I started the episode and then it cut to him, I was like, all right, any minute now we're going to cut back any minute now. It's still going. Oh my God. <laughs> like that was, yeah. So I set myself up for failure, but ultimately I did enjoy it. It's not that I want to come to Pershing's defense because I don't. I did, however, want to talk about him as a character and just kind of like, I find him to be interesting. Um, I'm not like a stan. I'm not like making a fan cam about him or anything. But I just think it's a, it's interesting because he is, as I think a lot of people who, um, I, I think that this argument, and it usually comes from a hollow place. People who are like, okay, well, the people who worked on the Death Star had families too. And like, da 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 And like, Luke killed civilian, like, not civilians, but like, you know, someone's family or whatever. Um, but like, it is interesting, however, in that same way, to see Imperials who like, it's not because they were like super down for the cause or anything, but they still willingly participated in it because that was the easy thing to do. That was the theoretically safer thing to do um and i just thought that was really interesting because pershing just comes to this like he's so occupied in like his own thoughts and what he is doing that he doesn't see that this is clearly like a ploy and i i i don't know it was just interesting to me it was interesting to see from the second i saw alia elia whatever her name is that butch bitch first of all go read stone butch blues I'm telling you, you would not be the way that you are if you read that book. Um, But like, you know something's up. And that's also because we have context, right? But like, they also were co-workers. Like, we can't pretend like they couldn't have not seen each other. Um, Yeah. I think something really interesting about that is also, we see this a lot in media when there's like a sci-fi a sci-fi whoa when there's like a scientist type i feel like there's always a lot of there are a lot of characters whose whose intrinsic value and whose kind of like driving forces i want to complete my research regardless of who i'm doing it for and i feel like that wasn't necessarily pershing's vibe because i think even in the mandalorian he was like i want to do this for the science but he was still like i don't want to like kill this baby (laughs) Like, low-key, I I don't want to kill this baby. So I think it's interesting to see how someone like that, who has this story of, like, I can't, like, my mother died and I just wanted to make cloning more accessible so people wouldn't have to, like, die of pointless things. And then he talks a little about eugenics and I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't like that. That's not good. But I, I think it's interesting to see a character like this, like Mel was saying, who wasn't necessarily, like, I love the Empire, but was, like, I'm going to kind of use it to achieve what I need to achieve. Um, And I I feel bad for this bitch because I'm like, he really seemed like he was like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm down. I'm down for the Republic. I I mean, I'm a little pissed off because they're fucking and they're a new government who doesn't quite know what it's doing. They're not working how I would like for them to be working. But fuck it. If this helps them and they'll let me do it, it's fine. It is what it is. So I'm just like, Damn, I also, maybe it's just because I have, have mental illnesses, but I was like, uh, there's a part, I was really rooting for her to be actually Slay, but I was like, I've seen people on Twitter call her evil. I don't like it. I don't love that. I, I, I hate do how have I know to... this, I know where this story is going to end. I do have to say, as someone who read 
the bomb the one of the most bomb star wars books catalyst um he well he was serving galen urso so much i feel like literally yeah like because in in i've talked about catalyst before but galen urso like he's basically fucking groomed by krennic um and again we are i'm like not another autistic man being fucked over by the empire um unlike thrawn who's like he gets fucked over but then he chooses whatever and galen is an example of like i am going to actively make sure whatever and like galen's whole thing is like his whole thing is like i want to do crystal research to help with energy to help people whatever and it's very, very similar here um and this was my i think one like intellectual issue with the with the with the, sh- with the episode, and maybe this will come up in later, I don't know, where I was like extremely unrealistic, not just in real life, but also in Star Wars, that as soon as these bitches were released from the war tribunal, they weren't snapped up by the private sector. You're not telling me that like, he he's like, <laughs> I, like I'm sorry, a pharmaceutical company didn't snap that bitch up? Like, be so fucking, or, or snap up anybody who was former empire or was like sneaking them before the war tribunals could get them or anything like that like in star wars capitalism plays a huge 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 fucking role and also like unfortunately i have read a lot of the canon in the the new republic era a lot of it i don't like for various reasons but but even in this era like the imperial remnants and the neo-fascists behind the scenes who help them like they are fueled by a lot of like really big like corporations and stuff like that behind the scenes so much like real life um but like they're fueled by big corporations and stuff behind the scenes and i'm like maybe it's a part of their thing that like they they can't go whatever they have to work for the new republic or whatever but i was like you're gonna tell me that he wouldn't just go to work for the private sector and maybe that's where it's gonna go i don't i don't know or that kind of thing but i was like you know and it would be equally as bad in in some way or whatever because which feeds into like my main criticism, which is that I like, I like this episode and I like what they're doing. It is very in line with the other issues of this period, which are their point about the new Republic is very, is a that very pessimistic one of like, oh, well, as a society or a large democracy or whatever, we're always going to end up in fascism because people are li- like this, this way. And we have to just keep fighting it in a cyclical way. Um, and you know whether you agree with that or not whatever they very much in a lot of canon material and now in the mandalorian they very much depict the former alliance and also like the new republic as like weak and like on purpose as like weak and ineffectual and whatever and that's kind of the whole thing and i'm not saying that that wouldn't be realistic in the things that they have set up but like to make those storytelling choices again this is a this is a storytelling and what message are you trying to send argument, not a what works actually politically in real life argument. Um, to make those choices is a very weird one to be like, yes, the left, of course, the leftist revolution doesn't work because blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't I don't love that message. I don't love it. And I was like, they're, you know, just like shout out to the high republic but like the high republic is a great example of how we can show that war is cyclical that there will always be there will always be conflict in this whatever without the same thing happening over and over again like they have a different conflict but it's you know a different conflict in this galaxy and then in the sequel era and this post return of the jedi era we have this thing of like what we could have had was like you know something that they kind of imply in the clone wars era which is that like even if palpatine hadn't been there 
wanting fascism behind the scenes we may have ended up here because of capitalism we may have ended up here because of all these corporations that were exploiting people if it wasn't of the fascist government exploiting people because there was a sith lord behind the scenes it would have been you know it would have been huge corporations exploiting people and that kind of thing and like the whole the whole and but like the whole message of the of the rebel alliance is like there's we have to engage in collective action and like each of us in our like localized rebellions linked up whatever but each of us in our localized rebellions knew what was good for our communities and the whole point is like maybe a large republic that doesn't fit with everybody's fucking vibe is not is not the vibe like that we could have anyway this is my very large problem with the entire sequel era and how i don't mm, i didn't i don't like the vibes that being said if this is what is canon and if this this is what we're engaging with i did think this episode did a did a decent job and i will say the final the final thing like dr pershing's whole thing is like well we have this and stuff well we could use it for good and they're like no we have to destroy all of it you cannot you cannot use the oppressor's tools you know to start the new society and then he finds out at the end that they did exactly what he said and took tool the oppressor's tools and tried to reuse them and then that is eventually what is used to hurt him and it's supposed to be some sort of metaphor do i think they meant it to be that deep no i don't but it was interesting. Do I love the message that it sends about the New Republic? Do I love the message that it sends about the New Republic? That, like, they are ineffectual, they are et cetera, et cetera, maybe not. But it was an interest. it was a good storytelling choice. I love that you had this very long-winded discussion about politics in Star Wars. Well, I'm hearing that I have to be on the lookout for the cameo from Raytheon. Okay, no, the Raytheon, the Raytheon pride float. So true. Okay, I'm obsessed with this. I like this episode on the grounds that, yeah, if you're um, a scientist and you do work that can benefit the government, guess what? You're gonna end up working for the government. Um, that's that's just that's that's how that goes, regardless of who's running things. I do want to say though, Claudia, re um, like this text being like this is why the this obviously the leftist revolution fails i don't think that this is a leftist revolution i think that the the rebellion in star wars is a liberal revolution ultimately like the the government it sets up and the politics that it's really about are liberal politics um i also find it really interesting and i don't really know how big of a deal this is but like part of pershing's like itch i guess to get back to doing his job at any means necessary is the fact that they have him like working in an archive like they've despite his qualifications despite his um whatever the fuck's degrees there we go i got there like he's not his work isn't reflective of that um and i just i find that interesting like the way that his skills are largely deprioritized in the face of the government that he's working under i also find it really interesting um that like well i had a thought and it went away immediately so that was nice anyway i don't know I find the New Republic really interesting as a concept. I just feel like, I guess I would say I can't read too much into it because I think that Star Wars doesn't think all that hard about <laughs> what government is and how power structures work. Like, it does, and then when it does, it's really great, and then other times it's like, I, I don't know, this guy, he has a throne? That seems fine, we'll go from there. Because the people who are writing Star Wars are people at the center. Like, like they're yeah. not marginalized people like they they can have as much of an understanding as they want about it but like at the end of the day <laughs> it's not gonna be 
Well, and even then they're like, my my solution to fascism is like, what if we if we all vote blue, we will defeat fascism forever. Wouldn't it be so fucked up if tomorrow Dave Filoni is like, yeah, my favorite book is the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> I like, shit. If if Dave <laughs> Filoni was like, all of the uh, all the Star Wars that I've written is actually a, a, a Marxist critique of uh, modern capitalist power structures, would be like, bitch, where? <laughs> No, I would, I would like, love for that. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, guys, I keep trying to put more in and they keep taking it out. Don't let them. Bob Iger is trying to silence me. And then you hear him being strangled. Well, the thing you said, Noah, about how it's actually a liberal revolution or whatever. I think that's kind of the issue is that like they have a pretty, they have a militant leftist revolution. And then like the the world building, both in legends and in canon after that, as they go. Okay, so let's just build the same republic afterwards, and that's part of my issue with it. Um, that's why I hate the aftermath books. That they get, but then that's not, it's not their fault. Like that's a choice that they made, whatever. And I was like, you know, if if they were really to like, as and that's especially why, like, I always hate like the characterization of Mon Mothma as like some sort of neolib or something as well, because it's also like and having her make choices like that, because like she's somebody who lived through the Clone Wars, whatever. Like her, Padme, Bail Organa, whatever. Like. They would be people who were like, I lived through the Clone Wars. I saw the problems that caused the Clone Wars that then led to the Empire or whatever, which was we tried to have this gigantic centralized government that then left all these people in the lurch, et cetera, and was and was very, you know, whatever. And it was like maybe the whole thing is that like we we don't we don't have a we don't we don't have a, a giant re- republic. Maybe we don't maybe we don't do that because it that doesn't that doesn't work. Um I mean, we don't we don't have that. We have our our communities and and whatever, um, because that works the anyways. But like instead, they they're like, yeah, let's just try it again and disarm. And you're like, okay, I guess. And I will say, like the choice, Mon Mothma's choice in canon to be like, no, we are we are disarming, and that's the whole thing. Like it's a it is controversial, and it is. It's a big one, and I, 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 you know, you respect it in some way or whatever. Um, and then for them to kind of undercut that in this and be like, well, not, not really. Um, it's just, it was just interesting. Um, yeah. Anyways, but what you were saying was that it was like a liberal revolution. I mean, I think that's that's kind of always the issue in Star Wars when like they're like, oh yeah, you have the these kind of rebels, and then you have the bad ones like Saw Gerrera, which we talked about a lot during Andor, whatever. But that's like the the central tenet um anyways um and then you have like the resistance come in like the whole idea of the resistance is that like the new republic is so shit ass that then like even people like leia who created the new the new republic have to like go do their little splinter group like hmm, i have many thoughts many thoughts anyways in terms of the episode overall i actually found it very interesting i I think that it's nice to set some groundwork to be like fuck you guys the sequels are real (laughs) um so i i think that it was a very interesting uh step forward because it makes sense because that's kind of what has been teased since season one of the mandalorian so i'm interested to see that gain a little bit more ground and especially to point in the direction in which the star wars universe itself is going at this point in the timeline so I did really like that. Um, I will say that despite the fact that the majority of the episode was about Pershing and um, uh, Aliyah Kane, 
I really, some of my favorite parts were just Din and Bo-Katan interacting and them being friends. And like, it will, as someone who has been a fan of Bo-Katan since I watched The Clone Wars when I was a child, I don't know why I was, okay, well, I know why now, but at the time I didn't quite know why I was as obsessed with her as I was. I know what you are. Yeah, exactly. And so should someone else have at that point in my life. But um, I think that it's really nice to finally see her getting to loosen up a little bit and to see her not having the world on her shoulders and to see her getting to be, you know, a person. So I'm really, really excited for this like humanizing of Bo-Katan that is happening. Um, I will say one thing about this episode. The pacing was a little weird. I would have maybe liked to see some of the stuff with Bo-Katan and Din maybe intercut with the stuff with Pershing and Elia, just because it felt like these two completely separate chunks. And I think that there would have been a very artful way to juxtapose that these are two sects of people who have been quote unquote alienated, who have been separated from their core, uh, like creed, their core group, one being the Empire and one being, you know, Mandalorians. and these these two these two groups of two little gay people as one finds solidarity and one finds betrayal i think that that could have been a very interesting way to edit it but i'm not that mad about it <laughs> welcome to everyone's favorite RuPaul's Pod Race segment, Name That Ship. This is a segment where one of our hosts will find a fan fiction that maybe has an interesting, innovative, strange pairing. We'll read off the tags, the description, some of the characters in it, and our, our dear hosts, my friends, will have to guess who is in that ship. Without further ado, let's get into it. I have brought one today. Um, I think we're just going to do the one today because it's getting a little late and we're all we're all raring to go. This one, one of the characters, I don't think that you guys are going to know. So I'm mostly going to be prioritizing guessing the second ship and one of the characters in the first ship because the other one, I'll let you know now, is a character from Legends that I didn't know about that I've just learned about and it is sending me. So let me go ahead and give you guys what this is. This is also like a collection of fics, so there's not like a main overarching storyline, but the two ships involved are making me laugh. There's character A slash character B and character C slash character D. Character A, character B, Cassie Nandor. Character C, character D, Gerza Borelios, the Ghost Crew, R2R5, canon era mixing legends into canon star wars fem slash character d lives au no rogue one spoilers and there's a couple other things but they're not important well they are important one is two moms pregnancy fluff lactation mentioned pregnancy kick so pregnancy kink not kick um but it is both are two women are they from the original trilogy era um, from that era, yes, but none of them are in the original trilogy. Is one of them Jin Urso? Jin Urso is the ship that it is character A, who is shipped with a Legends character. Okay, so Mara so Jade? In- no, it's not Mara Jade. It is a character I have never heard of until today. Oh wow. Okay, and can I can I clarify? So 
The other tag was character D lives AU, right? Yes. Okay. So character so in- D is a woman who in canon has died. Uh, yes. Padme. No. She wishes she was Padme. I don't know if she does, um, but she is nowhere near as important to the narrative as Padme. Is okay, is this character from Rebels? Yes. Character D is from Rebels. Both of the characters in the second ship are from Rebels. Arinda Price. Okay. No. But you're really close, but no so Oh, 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 no, I know. It's that, it's that lady. It's the lady from the, the lady earlier season. fucking, with the fucking more pointy, like, hat with the yeah. blonde hair. Oh, Can we remember name? her name? I can't oh, remember oh, her fuck, fucking name. Fuck. Uh, uh, uh Maketh Tua. Yes, Maketh Tua's Damn. character D. Who is she shipped with? Is it another woman? Oh, wow. Yes, it is another woman. Arinda Price. Is it Arinda Price? It is a, no, it's not Arinda Price, but it is a Rebels character. Uh, Numa? No. <laughs> is it Hera? <laughs> it is Hera slash Maketh What? what? <laughs> um, and now that, funny enough, it's the only ship in the tag. That's actually how I found it is because I searched Harris and Dula slash on AO3 and it came up as like one of the last ones. And I was like, I gotta see what's in here. And this is the only fic in that tag. But I have to tell you about this first one because this is Jin Urso. And I apologize if I'm spell if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But it's Ravosh Tarkin, who is Grand Admiral oh. Tarkin's um, niece, who he raised after his brother died. Um, I know who she what? is. I know. I did not know who Creator she is. Creator Tarkin Talk knows who she is. <laughs> but that's who Jen Erso is shipped with. In this. Um, she is the the daughter of Brigadier Gideon so... Tarkin and the niece of Grand Moff Will of Tarkin. After her father's death, she lived with her uncle, during which time she came to question the Tarkin family's adherence to the Galactic Empire. She passed privileged information regarding an Imperial attack to Biggs Darklighter and um, saved a number of Duros insurgents, which led to her becoming a deep cover agent for Alliance Intelligence. Oh, okay, shit. That's, I know. Okay, it was wait, like, why is that kind of give? No, she's kind of cunty, and her outfit. Hold on, I'm gonna send you guys um a link really quick. She's Take like, a look at her outfit I, on the Wikipedia article because she looks like like a like she is like oh, a rejected member of the X Men. Okay, she's serving. <laughs> she oh. does look like a knockoff X Men. Oh, look this at is the really second fun. picture of her though. Yeah, oh. no, she's so slay. She looks like Wait, she looks like she... White Storm. <laughs> Okay, here, and here I was going, I was like, she's sort of Celine coded if you think about it. <laughs> Shut up. She, I, she really said, you know what? I don't think gay people are valid because my uncle's a war criminal and he's gay. And then she was like, oh my god, I'm a lesbian in love with Jin Erso. She saw that carpeted hot tub and she was like, I gotta get out of here. We can't keep doing this. No, because this, this person may have been onto something. The person who wrote this I wonder if you're still writing Star Wars. I hope you are, because wow. you're cra- you're crazy for that. Thank you so much for joining us this week for Rupalp's Potteries. Episodes drop every Sunday. For updates, Star Wars news, and more cursed shit, follow us on social media at Rupalp's Potteries. Want to ask us a question? Send one to our TikTok Q&A, Tumblr Ask Box, or email us at rupalpspotteries at gmail.com. If you really love the show, Please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or Overcast, and tell a friend who might be interested. It really helps. And once again, may the Force be with you, and don't criff it up.
Waka Waka. This is the walk away. <laughs> oh, wow. Were you about Good to say Mima. this is the walk away? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just walk away. Just walk, walk away. Walk, walk away. Walk away.